0: It's a good day, a very, very good day. Um, Just a real strong sense uh, this morning as I was praying that the Lord wants to bring impartation in our time together, and I appreciate all the prayers and all the messages. Um, I was a little shocked to find out when I had tested positive for COVID and uh, walked through that little journey myself. For me, I had about 24 hours of symptoms and then um, kind of trucked right along, so I'm all good. I'm free from CDC uh, guidelines of when I, you know, how long I was supposed to be hiding in the guest room, which I did for a season of time, and I'm uh, um, just very thankful for all the prayers and partnership and support, and we're just agreeing over our entire church family just for a wave of health in Jesus' mighty name. We will not live in fear of bad news, Psalms 112, because we've settled in our hearts and in our minds, Jehovah God will take care of us. Uh, And that is our constant declaration out of that Psalms 112 consistently over our church family. So um, I want to talk to you today, and it's been a really interesting um, season to get to this because a few weeks ago this was the message for the morning. And uh, as I showed up to church, I just felt like the Lord scrambled all of that. And maybe it was just the timing, perhaps, that the Lord was bringing or a word in that particular season that was needed. But I believe that today God wants to unlock some things deep within each of us. And I I wanna challenge you that in this season of the church, we would really practice paying attention to the deeper reality of God. Even as we're reading scripture today and begin to talk through a few things, I want to ask you to hear maybe some common portions of scripture that you've heard before with a fresh new sense of inspiration from God. Because I believe God is a God who brings living waters from unlikely places. Uh, how many of you have been surprised that God would call you into what He's called you to do in your life? You know, just it, this is who me syndrome. Uh, Moses, who me? Mary, who me? Abraham and Sarah, who me? You know, it's just constantly throughout Scripture, we step back and have no idea the depth of what God's really desiring to do from our lives. And he is constantly bringing living water from unlikely places. I've learned that Jesus, and I was reading one time, just watching uh, kind of visually as I'm reading, thinking about the feeding of the 5,000 and the very few portions of food that he had to feed 5,000 people and it just hit me he's the master. Jesus is the master at doing more than we thought he could with less than we thought he needed if we're simply willing to give him what we have and place that in his position. How many of you know when God asks us to give out of the reservoir of our position it actually unlocks the resource of God in our lives? So you can feel free to amen me anytime now because I'm preaching really good. Uh, this is important. <clears throat> that we're connecting with the reality that God's trying to enlarge the expression of who we are. And what we possess brings that release. And if we just constantly look at what we have and say, well, that's really not enough to make a difference, then we never put it in the hands of God. And, and then the resource of God is never really truly unlocked within our lives. So have you ever just looked at somebody and you've seen more in them than they can actually see in them and you just want to call it out of them you just want to say i why can't you see this and then reciprocally have you ever had somebody look at you and see more in you than what you've been able to see yourself and uh, you know i know because i got i became a christian uh, you know a little bit later in life, and and uh, I was an adult, and I was in this discipleship class, and, and I remember the first time I ever really, truly believed that I heard the voice of the Lord. Uh, I was I had attended this class, pretty large group of people in this room, and as I as I sat down, I was kind of in the back, and uh, as I sat there, I I suddenly had this awareness that the guy leading the group, the pastor, was going to ask me to pray. Now, I didn't even have much of a relationship with him or I had just become a Christian and this was my first class uh, to really attend. And um, I hadn't brushed up on my prayer skills yet. Anybody, if the Lord puts you in a spot that's beyond your abilities and beyond what you feel like you're prepared for. And I just remember sitting there thinking, and, 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 you know, when God speaks to you, it's not like you have this conversation like I would have with my wife verbally back and forth. But how I many you know, I can be up here preaching and verge into a little story in her direction and one glance at her and I know if I'm going to be in trouble tonight or not. You, you know, I mean, there's this, there's this nonverbal communication that can go on. Isn't that right, honey? Yeah. And so with God, you understand there's also nonverbal communication, but he functions deep within you. And it's almost like in your knower, you're aware when God is revealing something for you to understand. You, you'll, you'll, you'll even comprehend it a bit before you can explain it because it comes alive within you. And I'm sitting there and realize I'm about to lead this group in prayer. And, and then I think, no, that's just me. And about that time, John Ware says, Lawrence... Uh, you're new in the crew and glad you're here. Why don't you open us up in prayer? And I remember just thinking, like, I was shocked. I wasn't sure what to say, but I was thinking, I think I just heard God, you know, like, are you kidding me? I, I, I really think that that was the Lord telling me beforehand. I mean, it just unlocked something for me. And all of a sudden, this man who was a spiritual leader in my life was dignifying me in a way, posturing me to have a voice to a group of people that I didn't show up thinking I was gonna have a voice to. I want to just challenge you to understand it is very important that you and I learn to follow the leadership of the Lord and dignify the people around us regardless of what our human opinion may be from time to time. He is a God who brings living water from unlikely places and along my journey there have been many times people have said you know you're going to do this and I'm I'm going to invite you into this and I would just think what are you thinking do you not know my limitations but God is a God who brings living water from unlikely places. Anybody here feel like you might be an unlikely place for God to bring living water? I want you know you're a perfect candidate if you've decided that. God wants to do something profound in our lives, but it is important that we understand how we get from here to there. So we know the story out of Ezekiel 37. I'm really not going to take you into the text of Scripture. I just want to reference it uh, to bring a little bit of context to where we're going to go. But the story in Ezekiel 37 where Ezekiel stands before in this valley of very dry bones. And it's a real uh, unique story that's taking place. This This is when Ezekiel really is called by God in a time of devastation and despair. Babylon had actually invaded Israel and things were very bad. Everybody say, very bad. Anyone ever been in a very bad situation? And you're looking around and you're thinking, man, I am in the valley. Down in the valley. Come on. Somebody help me sing. The valley, so low, right? You're just all down in this valley. You're in this situation, and then you realize you're not only down in the valley, but then there's death in the valley. There are bones in the valley. And then there's not just bones in the valley. There are dry bones in the valley. And then they are not just dry bones in the valley, but the Bible describes them as very dry bones in the valley of death. This is where Ezekiel was. He was about to discover that God brings living water from unlikely places. He begins to speak, and these bones come to life, and it's powerful, and it's profound. In the midst of devastation, Ezekiel found grace, strength, and faith to speak life into a valley of death. And I just want you to hear me loud and clear as I say this. Ezekiel could not have spoken life in the face of death had he not been having a conversation with God. You and I are designed to live in this state of conversation with God. Getting alone with God in a time of of your own personal place of worship, in a time of your own personal place of turning the page and getting in Scripture and just experiencing the presence of God and allowing Him to awaken something in you that's actually of the supernatural, divine nature of God that exists. God's wanting to bring living waters out of unlikely places in all of our lives. When times are difficult, God is greater than the difficulty of the time. Where sin abounds, grace abounds. Much more we're problems about God rushes in in a greater source of strength when the enemy comes in like a flood, come on, God raises up a standard against Him. Are you believing God today for that in your life? I'm going to be talking about this from a little different angle this Tuesday morning. I would invite you. It's a leadership session that we do once a month. It'll be eight o'clock. it'll be right here in this room. it'll also be online. And it's going to be a 20 to 30 minute leadership challenge that I'm going to bring. And the idea is to understand. And I just think it's a significant word and a significant season for us. But the idea is to understand. And I want you to think about the phrase. But previous faith for next level fights will always stress you out. And I just feel like the Lord's given me a specific word about how to move from previous faith to the next level faith for the next level fight that God's called us to. And I'll be bringing that this Tuesday morning, 8 a.m. You can tune in online. or If you'd like to come and join us here, uh, feel free. It's an open leadership forum that we do each month on the first Tuesday of the month. You and I are living in a time where the world around us is full of fear. Would you agree? There's pandemic panic going on in many directions. And in a time when the world is full of fear, come on, the, the world needs to see a church full of faith. You and I need to be in a posture in a place of having continual conversation with God as a way of life. That when circumstances come and try to stare us down, rather than giving our, our human reaction to that situation, we can actually provide a spiritual response that's born from the nature of God in those moments in time. It's vitally important that we understand this. In order to speak life in a valley of very dry bones, Ezekiel had to not be dry spiritually himself. He had to be in a place of having conversation with God. God wants to empower us in such a way that we can walk into valleys like that. And what we see is this living water that wells up within us. And and this is, we're going to go to John chapter 4, but I want you to think about the the context. I want to set the stage for it uh, in a a way that will help you kind of process where I want to drive in this. And it's simply this, but living water from God not only refreshes you, but it actually is a fountain within you that springs up out of you to minister to the world around you. This is not just about you getting your need met. This is about you being a part of God's plan to meet the needs of all humanity that exists around you. So when you see this story and you begin to hear the conversation that Jesus is having with the Samaritan woman, there are several things I wanna bring out in this interaction today. So track me if you would. I'm going to read several verses, and then we're going to go back and just point out some things. John chapter 4, verses 6 to 14. Here's Jesus. He's come to Jacob's well. That's important that you understand that. He's at Jacob's well, and he begins to have this conversation. Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. That's important. He's asking her to give from the reservoir of her possession. And in doing so, something would be released in her life. Give me a drink. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus is crossing the racial divide that existed in his society that day. We're going to talk about that. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Father, there's something about the power of your word that unlocks things within, in a sense, our spiritual DNA. Causes us to begin to return to the reality of your original design. I pray, Father, that you would awaken that within our hearts as sons and daughters of God to see what it is you desire to reveal today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So here Jesus is at Jacob's well, and the Samaritan woman knows it's Jacob's well. In fact, she even references in this conversation with Jesus You know, how are you going to give me water? Are you greater than our forefather Jacob who gave us this well? And I want you to think about this because she's looking at the physical well, Jacob's well, and then she's talking to Jesus, and she doesn't realize that when she's talking to Jesus, she's actually looking at Jacob's well, the reality of what God was revealing in that day that had come and manifest himself as the Messiah. The living water was standing right before her. The expression of what that had typified now was standing before this woman and this incredible experience is going on. Now, a few things I just want to point out. I mentioned uh, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Jesus said, I want you to give to me that which is a part of the reservoir of what you possess so that it will then unlock the resource of God in your life. I want you to just to understand this. This is vitally important that you understand that the reservoir of your time being given to God in places of pursuing Him unlocks the divine expression of God in the way you live for that entire day. How many of you know morning manna is a pretty important thing? The reservoir of your finances." God says that he wants us when we increase. Every time we increase, we're to bring a tithe before the Lord to see his kingdom expand. I don't know if you realize, but this week, uh, we'll talk a little more about it next week, but this week, we've actually been able to give almost 2,000 masks to public educators all over uh, the area. We've been getting messages from principals and different teachers. that were on the marquee at Dell City High School uh, this morning saying, thank you, Destiny, for making a difference in our community. I just want to say, why don't you give applause to our family who did that? Come on, I just thank God for a church family that's willing to make a difference. How do we do that? We do that because we as Christians believe in the power of giving in a way that when we increase, we bring our tithe before the Lord, and that is out of the resource and the reservoir of our resource, and it then begins to unlock something of the resource of God in the community that we live in, in the lives that we live in, our family, in our home, and our children, and in our legacy. This is very important that you understand this principle. It's a constant awareness of that which God has placed within our position and how we're living our lives with all resources. How many of you know Jesus wants to take control of everything that exists within your life? And in doing so, he will enlarge your world in a powerful and profound way. But we've got to be willing to cooperate for him to do that. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. I mean, who is she to give Jesus a drink? He's simply saying, unlock something greater than what you can understand in this moment that we're having this conversation. And this goes on, and this is really uh, an interesting element for us to to address today. And And she says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for me to give you a drink? I am a woman of Samaria. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. You know, We live in a day where there is all kinds of racial tension that exists in our society. And I just want to say something to you in this regard. Jesus crossed the racial barrier in addressing the issue that he addressed in this particular uh, conversation, in this particular interaction. And it's pretty important that we all understand as a church family, that we all recognize that racism and prejudice is an enemy to the cross of Jesus Christ, therefore it is an enemy to this church. Come on, I'd like some more support on making this declaration today because we will not accept it. You and I are called to be advocates of the cross of Jesus Christ. We agree in Jesus' name. You know, I actually reached out to Derek Wilson, one of our elders, and I said, What I said was, I just refuse to be a nervous white pastor standing in the pulpit addressing any issue socially that deals with, with issues of race. I just refuse to do that because I stand before God, not man, with what I'm supposed to say. And that ought to be every one of our attitude. And I said, Would you give me some insight? And I shared a little bit of this text of scripture, and I just thought his response was brilliant. He said God dignified the Samaritan woman by showing uh, the love of God that crossed the racial barrier to the Samaritan woman, but he also dignified and showed the love of God to the Roman centurion who was charged with the commission to keep order in the day in which he lived. See, this is what we all have to understand. These are deeply complicated issues and situations that are at hand. I was in a forum of a group of leaders, and there was a hot button political conversation going on in this particular forum. And one of the leaders in the room, I, they took me off guard. They said, I'd like to hear a pastor's perspective on this particular topic. And I'm sitting over there thinking, oh, no. Because it was a real hot button issue. The room was divided, like there was some debate and discussion going on in the room. And they pointed to me and said, Well, you're a pastor. What do you think? And I remember just sitting there thinking, Yeah, what do I think? And I just stood up and I, I spoke to the issue somewhat uh, specifically because that's what they were searching for, but then I, then I really went on to the deeper point. And I said, the greatest problem we have with political divide in this nation is the oversimplification of deeply complicated circumstances that we just throw cheap answers at and it causes other people to feel minimized and diminished because we're not understanding where they're coming from, the pain that they're dealing with as they're walking through the societal issues that you and I really ought to give great compassion to and deep love in every single direction to see the kingdom of God expand. Come on, this is who the church is. We need to stand up and declare that God is able to reach into any circumstance and situation and validate any person that's willing to stand before the cross of Jesus Christ and embrace the love of God. We stand unified as the church. Jesus is dignifying this person. In a powerful and profound way. I want you to understand who the Samaritans were and why this is so important. The Samaritans were descendants of Abraham. So if they were descendants of Abraham, why the rub? Why the why the division? And it's because over the course of time in their legacy, they had intermarried with Gentiles. So they're. Hellenistic Jews and Palestinian Jews, and when you start to evaluate what's taking place, the Hellenistic Jews actually didn't stay true to the bloodline in a sense, and they fell under great scrutiny, and they had this entire legacy of shame as a result. And so the Jews hated the Samaritans as a result of this and called them horrible names and stayed disconnected in such a way that a woman is shocked when Jesus, a true Jew, is having a conversation with her. I, I just... I just want to say, aren't you glad Jesus sees more in you than other people ever can see in you? Aren't you thankful no matter what's gone on in your life? This, This woman, she didn't just have a legacy of shame, she actually had a lifestyle of shame herself. It wasn't just where she came from, it's how she'd been living in her life. And Jesus stepped right across that. And I I just imagine the eyes of Jesus. I I know one day we're going to experience what this is. But I just imagine the eyes of Jesus, so full of this alluring compassion and this love, something that she had never experienced from another Jew, suddenly began to take her in and draw her into a deep place of feeling validated by God Almighty. This is really significant. I want to just say loud and clear God's purposes for you are more powerful than other people's opinions of you. God's purposes for you are more powerful than other people's opinions of you. We're going to take some time just to press in in a place of worship over some of these ideas. The worship team's making their way up. I want to break down a couple of more thoughts that we will be able to kind of take into a place before the Lord and say, God, heal our hearts, heal our minds, heal our society, heal our community. Help us, Lord, to be advocates of God's kingdom in the earth. In God's divine plan, this is pretty wild when you really think about what I'm about to say. In God's divine plan, this woman who came from a legacy of shame who had lived a lifestyle of shame. It was God's divine plan for this to be the first person Jesus ever told he was the Messiah. I want you to think about that. You know, if you and I had actually selected the way Jesus was going to be revealed in the earth as the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, How many of you think we would have come together and developed a plan that looks starkly contrasting to the way God did it? Sending Jesus in very humble beginnings, being born in a stable. I mean, just unlikely place for living water to come from. And it's all part of the assignment of God being revealed in a profound way that actually validates every one of us, just like he's validating the Samaritan woman in that moment in time. It's all part of God's divine plan to rescue us from our own self-disqualification the way God revealed His Son Jesus that would validate us to understand He brings living water from these unlikely places. Here's a woman who never thought she would have any type of sense of favor from God or with God. And this is the first person God chooses to reveal verbally in a conversation that Jesus is the Messiah. That's important. Not only that, This is going to blow your mind. This will mess with the religious spirits that try to uh, deal, try try and get into our way of thinking. Not only was this woman of ill repute the first person Jesus ever said he was the Messiah, she's also the first person Jesus ever released to go become an evangelist to her city and win the entire city. Uh, it It gets more questionable than that. You see, it was her low sense of inhibition to men that was her problem. I don't know, you understand what I'm saying? Because this woman, she had been married a few times and now she's living with somebody either as a prostitute or we're not exactly sure what's going on. But there's a low variable of morality that exists within her. She has a low inhibition in her life. She would talk to men immediately quickly in a way that was societally unacceptable. But it was actually able, uh, empowering her to be able to get the things that she wanted to have in her particular uh, area of life. You understand she had this low inhibition to talk to men. And that's the very thing that would have conquered her. It was also the very thing God chose to use to get her to go into that community and declare, I have met the Messiah. Other women have done such a a declaration. She said, I have met the Messiah. She became a bold declaration of the Lord our God. Do you understand? The very thing you're using, the enemy is trying to use against you to disqualify you is the very thing God wants to embrace so that you're released. And other people around you can see God loves you, cares about you. And if he's willing to reach into your area of dysfunction that will exist in your life, maybe there's hope for them. Ah, the Jews hated this. The Pharisees hated this. Might be a Pharisee spirit trying to emerge in some people's hearts this morning. What are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say exactly what you're concerned I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say. God will use every weakness that exists in every person's life, and we need to stop disqualifying ourselves no matter what we've done in our life, no matter what legacy's been handed to us. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for the gifts that exist within you. God has a plan and a purpose even for the life that you've lived to convert that into an expression that lets everybody know God cares about who you are. This is the outrageous grace of God. Come on, let's stand together. Today, God is having a conversation with people in this room. and Some of you, like the Samaritan woman, would say, who am I that you would be having a conversation with me? It's the big thing this week as I was praying. I just felt the Lord kept bringing me back to this over and over. You are keenly aware of every mistake that you've made. You are keenly aware of any disqualification that might exist as a result of the legacy of your life. And you in this moment would say, who am I that you would have a conversation with me? And I want you to understand, it's revealed right here in Scripture. There's a powerful, powerful Release God wants to bring in your life to take you into places of influence on His behalf. If you'll simply take all the stuff that you keep looking at, it's like we, it's almost like we do this. We're just like, "Uh, I know, I know, Lord, that you care, but this is just, um, I mean, I'm. I'm, I, I did this, and I, I carry this, and I, I know, Lord. You. And I just want to say, would you just join me as we take all this and just let it go at the foot of the cross? <laughs> Come on, why don't you just posture in a place of utter surrender to the Lord your God? He's having a conversation with us today. He is having a conversation, Lord. We surrender to you. We surrender to you, Lord God. Everything that could ever be used by the enemy to hold us back actually becomes a tool in the hand of God to propel us forward. Your word says in Nehemiah 13, you don't just revoke a curse, you reverse the curse. The actual curse is reversed into a blessing. Help us to understand and see this is how God works. He brings living water from unlikely places not just to us, but from us, welling up out of us for the world around us to be able to drink these waters of eternity. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord God, for your presence in our lives. We acknowledge in the name of Jesus, the enemy will try and come in like a flood. But Jesus you are God that raises up a standard against him I believe that this is a moment that we as a church can embrace the reality as it was in the days of Daniel when he was in the lion's pit God shut the mouths of the devourer and I just declare God is shutting the mouths of the devourers who have tried to come against us in Jesus mighty name God is shutting the mouth of the enemy in the name of Jesus. He is silencing the voice of the enemy in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, Father, that you would help navigate that voice that exists within us where suddenly we're aware of what you're revealing. We would be sons and daughters of God that learn more readily how to pay attention to what you're saying every moment of our lives in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want to just ask you, you know, this is, this is one of those messages that people, they just need hope. When we meet Jesus, how many of you know we meet hope? <laughs> and I want to challenge you this week at some point, find this message online and share it on your page. Encourage others just to know You don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. We don't have it all together. But how many know he has it all together? (laughs) Help them to find that. Maybe it will lead to some interaction and conversation in the course of your week with people who really need to know the hope and the love and the life of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, we just surrender to the cross of Christ today. We surrender to you, Lord, as we step into a place of worship and a time of of just bringing our heart before you, sensing some things perhaps that you've unlocked in these moments. We want to bring that to you in greater fullness as an expression of our lives. Saying, Lord, we're just hungry for whatever you desire. May your desires become ours. I thank you, Lord, that your word says that you'll put a new heart within us. You'll turn a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Suddenly we come alive when we're willing to embrace the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're here, you're online, or you're in this room and you really don't know where you stand with God. You know, I did a funeral this past week. And standing there by that gravesite, We just talked about the nature of eternity and how temporal this life can be. I just want to invite you. Jesus wants to take you into a journey where you live well beyond this life into a place of eternity with God Almighty, but it only happens through the cross of Christ. So we just want to acknowledge today, Lord, You are who you say you are. You're the Savior of the world. You came to redeem all humanity. And I pray, Father, that you would give us hearts to respond to who you truly are. That when we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, we are born again. Come on, if you agree with that, why don't you just say amen real loud. You are the Savior of the world and we need you, Lord God. Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name. We believe in the power of prayer, and we're going to just take a little bit of time in worship, and I want to invite our prayer team to make their way into the lobby space, and if we can pray with you about anything, if today you've made a decision to serve the Lord, would you just step out and touch base with our prayer team, Uh, let them pray for you, pray with you. If there's anything that we can agree with you uh, in your life going on, then don't hesitate As we continue in worship, after you receive prayer, just come back in and let's really press in and go deeper. Uh, This is where I just kind of transition. The music's starting to raise up a little bit, but I just sense the Lord asking me to pause. I want to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. I want us to listen to what He has to say. So, Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us ears to hear. Hear The Lord's saying he's renewing our strength. God is renewing our strength. Let the weak say, I am strong. Come on, in these moments of worship, I want to ask you to sing loud. I want to ask you to boldly proclaim the declaration of the Lord as He's renewing your strength. Let Him just breathe life into you so that you'll stand in the valley of death of very dry bones and you will have living water springing up from within you to declare in the face of every challenge that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all you can ask or imagine. As we worship, come on, let's allow God to have His way and strengthen our lives.